This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Again, horticulturist Felder Rushing and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell and all the other folks here at MPB. We welcome you back to a live program here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And uh, we're going to be talking about gardening. There's plenty of things going on right now. Not much to do because it's cold and wet out there right now. But there's some things to enjoy. There's some things to do. There's some things to savor, some things to plan. But mostly it's some things to help calm down. Gardening provides hope in a hurting world. And we got some stuff we can talk about. I've got my antique plant of the week. I've got my native plant of the week. I've got my edible plant of the week. We're going to talk about that. But it is a live program. And so if you've got some things you'd like to talk about this first Friday broadcast that where it's live here in the new year, give us a call. It's toll-free. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring And uh, like I said, we got the lines open. We've got some calls starting to come in. But uh, sit back and relax, folks, and enjoy. If you don't feel like calling in, listen to what other folks got going on in their yard. Before we take this call, Java, let me ask you something. What was what, you Yes, know, sir. The life is weird right now. It's weird. It's a continuation of last year. Never like last year. It's like last year never stopped is i mean it's like last year just is like two what is it new year's eve and it's still going like 2020 has yeah. never left the building yet yeah i'm calling this year 2020 weird instead of 2021 but um you know there's a lot of people hurting a lot of a lot of weirdness going on in in people's individual home lives you know so i'm glad we're talking about gardening which is a even though it has problems and solutions and approaches and some things you just got to settle for. It does offer some hope and some stuff to do. Um, my biggest concern this morning, I hate to be this way, but, you know, uh, as, as, as bad off as some things are, my worry when I was walking this morning, do I drink my coffee quick while it's warm or do I savor it and let it gradually cool off? Because if I drink it while it's warm, it runs out quicker. It's pretty cold outside. I would have took the warm approach. Well, I, I did. I split the difference. I, I I sort of decided to drink some of it while it's still warm and spill the rest of it on my shoes while I was walking. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm not trying to trivialize stuff, folks. But this is a chance to relax and talk about hope and forward moving and gardening and planting stuff and enjoying and savoring and enjoy the boundings of the earth and those that we help bring into it and share what we know with other folks. We're going to start out this morning down in Natchez in Adams County and talk with Lee. Good morning, Lee. Howdy. Happy New Year. Good morning to you and Happy New Year to you, Felder. Thank you. What's going on? I spoke with you about six months ago concerning a fig tree that I had that was uh, had fungicide on it. Uh-huh. And you told me to spray it next year and this is january i would like to know what month's the best month to do that before leaves or after leaves was this uh it was spots on the leaves right right yeah brown spots yeah it doesn't you know it doesn't do any good to spray before the leaves there the, the what this fungicides do they're a protective film they cover the leaves sort of like putting a raincoat on before we go out in the rain it doesn't do any good to put the raincoat on when it ain't raining so wait till the leaves come out and um you know sort of mature a little bit and then if you want to if it was serious enough to where you really need to spray then keep in mind these sprays last for a couple of three weeks or a couple of good rains whichever come first so you know if you can 
going to spray. You need to spray, you know, every you know, two or three or four weeks. And uh, But it doesn't do any good to spray until the leaves come on because it's a fungus that splashes onto the leaves, and the fungicide is protective film to keep the fungus from getting into the leaf. Okay, now am I to pay more attention to the leaves or to the limbs or spray everything or just the leaves? Well, I mean, you can't you can't spray the leaves. They're getting it all over everything. But but the leaves are what need protecting. That the 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 leaf spots fungus is on the leaves. Well, it's going to splash from the stems and the ground onto the leaves. In other words, just wait till the leaves come on and just spray those. Again, think putting a hat on when you're going out in the sun or putting a raincoat on before it rains. It's to keep it from getting wet instead of keep instead of curing it once you are. It doesn't do any good to put a raincoat on after you're wet or be, or if it ain't raining. So let's wait till the leaves come on. Okay, now I've got two other questions. One is once I start to spray and figs start to come, are those figs edible at that time? I mean, even if I wash them or what? What's the, well, yes, uh, it's a good question. And, um, I don't because I'm since I retired from the extension service. I don't keep track with the latest brands of everything, so I don't know which fungicide you'll be using. You know, I, mean, I can find out, but uh, some fungicides have a waiting period between spray and harvest. Some don't. Um, but I, I, in general, it's insecticides that you really need to worry about. So my general thrust is, uh, if you don't, if, if if you'll hold off spraying a couple of weeks before you harvest, it ain't a problem. That's just my general thrust. But again, I don't know. In general, fungicides, you don't have to worry about those as much as you do insecticides spraying them on those things. Okay, and that second question, I think you may have answered it. I was going to ask you, did you have anything in particular that you could? Uh, you know, say this is good for doing that. I can't. I can't remember. You know, there's yeah, so I, 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 so I many. It, you know, already, it, right? it's like being a doctor who's been retired for for a long time. He doesn't know. You know what what they're what they're promoting anymore. Right. And things right. do change. But uh, any good garden center, or you know, if you'll check with the Extension Service, go to msucares.com. msucares.com is Extension Service, and click on in in the search thing. Put fig diseases. It'll have a publication. It'll be up to date on that. Thank you very much. Okay, Lee. Stay warm, man. Oh, you do the same. Bye-bye. All righty. Oh, I did a bunch of stuff over the past couple of weeks. We hadn't been here for three weeks, man, but I have done some stuff in my yard and my house. And the calls reflect you haven't been here in a while. The mm. the switchboard is lit up. Well, let's talk. Let's go to Bahalia and talk with Anthony. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm, I'm I'm wondering, is there anything that you can do to the fruit trees during this time of the year that takes care of the worms? Nope. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's the deal. Those the worm you talking about like peaches and plums get the worms in them? Yes, those are the worms. Yeah. Um there there are a couple of insects that do that. One is uh, called a curculus, like a little snout beetle. They got a little snout on them. And uh, sort of similar to the bollworm, but it comes out after the fruit or it's already formed. It comes out and punctures the fruit and lays an egg in that. And it doesn't do any good to spray before they're out there or before the fruit's on it. It just doesn't do any good because there ain't nothing there to spray for. And uh, it's it's a tough one. So And and you don't need to spray before they bloom. And I wouldn't spray a tree while it's in bloom because that'll uh, wipe out your pollinator. So basically, after the fruit is start forming is when you start doing that. And it's not any fun. Not any fun to spray. But peaches and plums are going to get worms if you don't spray them. So you just have to go to the market to purchase your fruit. 
I don't know of any natural. Uh, uh, I don't know of anything that will control pr- pr- those kind of insects other than sprays. And there's some natural sprays that are pretty strong, like pyrethrins. They just don't last very long. But uh, at any rate, there's there's no easy way to to prevent that. You got to spray. It's like mosquitoes. You know, you can plant mosquito repellent plants all over your yard, but you have to put stuff on you to keep them from biting you. Okay. Ain't no, no other thank way around it, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Felton. Okay, Anthony. Good luck on it, guy. Oh, man. I have to use just for these, I guess. Yeah, well, you know. You know, the other thing is take your glasses off. A worm's not going to hurt you unless you're a, you know, uh, you know, unless you just don't eat any meat at all. Yeah, but they're inside the fruit. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good luck. Got to be somewhat philosophical. Good luck on it. Okay, let's go back to Natchez and talk with Tom. Hey, Tom, what's going on? Hi. Hello. Yeah. What's up? Uh, I got a question for you. Uh, I planted some grains back in the fall. Uh, I had mustards and turnips and collards, and they're doing really great. But uh, I I intended to plant some more, and I broke my foot, and I wasn't able to get out there and do it. Oops. Is it? Is it too late now? Is it too cold to plant some more? Um, well, yes and no. You know, here's the thing. These plants don't like cold weather, and they don't like hot weather. They like cool weather. And if you plant them right now, and it freezes, when the, as soon as that seed cracks open, that's when it's most vulnerable. So unless it has a chance to sort of get up and establish before a freeze, you know, a freeze can, can get those little tiny seedlings when they first come up. So it's a gamble. You know, for example, if you planted them last, you know, the other day and they just sprouted today and it freezes tonight, that'll take them out. But if they have a couple of weeks without a freeze, they can get established. So in general, we we typically wait till mid to late February, early March before we start planting them again. That way, the you have longer period between the freezes and the freezes aren't quite so bad. So we sort of got okay. a de- got a December, January, early February window where it's a, it's just a gamble. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll wait till like late February. Yeah, there's a whole lot be a whole lot easier that way, unless you want to, you know, uh, be prepared to cover them up. Uh, well, you know, oh, if, you, you mean like with uh, plastic or buckets or something? Yeah, something like that, and uh, and you only do that just during the freeze. For example, it's not freezing out there right now, you know. But if it gets down to the yeah. to the upper twenties tonight, I would cover them just for the night, you know, just during the freeze, and and then uncover them because yeah. they like cool weather. I'm not gonna do it today. Okay, good. Luck. That's what I'm it boils down to, man. That's what it boils down to, though, guy. Okay, thank you very much. You bet, Tom. Thank you. I love your show. I appreciate. It. Hey, thanks for being part of it. Okay. Bye bye. Let's slide over to Meridian. See what Becky's up to. Good morning, lady. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So far, so good. Not so bad. Good. I have a question about my Bradford pear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have displayed our new state flag, and where our flagpole is, there's a Bradford pear very close to it, and uh-huh. there's a limb that starts down low on the tree that is really tangling up my flag. Can yeah. I trim that limb off? It is, it is no different than plucking an eyebrow that's growing in the wrong place. 
Okay. I but mean, I, I can cut it off right at the trunk. Yeah, that's that's idea. If you leave a stub, what heals up uh, wounds on plants is food flowing from the leaves down towards the roots, and they don't go down and then back up a little bit. So if you leave a stub, it won't heal up very well, and it can actually rot into it. So don't don't cut it flush. You know, like if you're going to take your thumb off, you don't want to do it all the way to the wrist. Just do that knuckle. You know what I'm saying? So just... As, 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 yeah, cut no, no, cut, cut it, cut it, whether it's a, a limb off the trunk or a branch off the limb, whatever you cut off, cut it as close as you can without leaving a great big wound, just a little, little bump is all, and it'll, and no problem at all, whatsoever, none. Okay, just not flush at the trunk. And, yeah, well, and no, I, no, yeah, cut, cut it as close as you can without leaving a great big wound. Right, okay. Yeah. And, and, this time of year, it's okay? You, If you remove the stuff, you can do that any time you get around to it. And uh, and also, you know, when you cut the limb off, you can also cut some of the branches off the limbs that are left. Again, just don't leave any stubs. Cut them as, you know, as close as you can without making a big old long wound on it. Gotcha. There's no okay. pro- it does not hurt the plant whatsoever to do this. All right. Thank you. You bet. I'm glad, glad you're flying that new flag. I got me a face mask that got the new flag on it. That's cool. Yep. That's, yeah. I'm glad we have a new one. Thank you. All right. All righty. Yep. That's one of the, one of the things we got. We got a new flag. Got a magnolia on it. And um, I successfully lobbied the legislature to where they said, I mean, not the legislature, flag commission said, eh, we'll, we'll think about it. And it ended up working. So anyway, let's go to a Batesville right on the edge of the Delta. Hey, Casey, how are you, lady? I'm great. Good. What's up? All right, I want to start an indoor herb garden with my five-year-old son. I was wondering if you had any kind of starting out gardening advice. (laughs) Yeah, a a couple of things. Uh, First of all, outdoor would be better, I'm just saying. And and I have herbs in my garden right now that I've been cooking with for the past three weeks. Uh, Oregano will take hard freezes. Uh, uh, Basil, summertime, you know, but, but oregano... Thyme, rosemary, the things that, that, that y'all are likely to cook with, they grow perfectly well in a, in a large container or small raised bed outside all the time. And so, so, so down the road, you know, that's easy. And then when the, when the weather warms up, you can stick a basil in there. And, and by the way, basil and oregano and uh, thyme and things like that, that's things that, that your five-year-old can help you cook with so they have ownership in their food. But anyway, to answer your question, indoors, as long as you've got a window that faces the south, because these plants need at least five or six hours of direct sunshine. You know, more would be better, but they need direct sunshine. And uh, that means this time of year, a south-facing window. Uh, okay. And the other thing is, you know, don't, don't keep them too wet. Let them get almost dry before soaking. Um, and if you have an air con- uh, your heater or your air, con- air conditioner blowing on the window, put a piece of cardboard or something so the, so the heater is not blowing right on the plant because that dries them out really fast and misting doesn't really help so south facing window not in a direct blast and and uh, try not to overwater a basil would be a good one mint would be good ones to start with maybe a little oregano if a garden center's got some because they can help with spaghetti and pizza with those things and they're 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 good easy uh easy to grow for grown-ups easier for kids awesome thank you so much okay casey hey is a boy or girl it's a boy. Hug him while you can, because if, if when he turns 16, if you don't feel like kicking his butt, it's because he ain't normal. <laughs> you know, and if you, you know, that's just, that's a hug him while you can. You know what I'm saying. I got gotcha. you. Okay, Casey, appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thank you. Okay, um, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Got a caller on the line. We've got some lines open if you want to give a call. Uh, a couple of things I did over the holidays, I caught and, and I released some, a couple of raccoons, one raccoon that was under my house, and I managed to keep get the other one out from under it, but I let them go in the yard. I just made them sure that they can't get back under the house. And uh, sorry if it went to your yard, and sorry if it displaced a possum in the process, but that's just part of it. Uh, got some really interesting plants blooming right now, including one called Mahonia. Some of you may be familiar with it as Oregon Grape Holly. It's not a holly. It looks like it. But Mahonia has got clusters of brilliant yellow flowers right now, middle of the winter. There's all sorts of stuff blooming, but my Mahonia is Knock out gorgeous plant. M A H O N I A. We'll have a picture of it uh, on our uh, on our blog. But we're going to take a real quick break. Come back with more right after this. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. cold-hearted orb that rules the night removes the colors from our sight red is gray and yellow white but we decide which is right and which is an illusion Yeah, we're we we the ones that get to decide what's what's right and what's an illusion, and no two people are going to agree on it right now. But one thing we can agree on is gardening offers some hope. There's some stuff you could be planting right now, but most important, things to, to go around your neighborhood, older parts of town, and see what's blooming in other people's gardens. Uh, edible things like kale, lettuces, uh, mustards, things like that. Uh, some, of the, uh, uh, some of the herbs in my garden, the oregano, the thyme, the rosemary, I'm actually using those in the middle of the winter. But also we have camellias blooming, early paper white narcissus, and uh, the shrub I was mentioning earlier called mahonia or Oregon grape. Terrific plant. And every time it warms up above about 45 or 50, the yellow flowers here in January are completely covered with bees that wouldn't have anything else otherwise. So anyway, Mahonia is a great plant, especially those of you who have shade gardens because it does great in the shade. M-A-H-O-N-I-A, Mahonia. And again, uh, for our podcast, I'm going to have a picture of it uh, So if you want to see what it looks like. Now, let's uh, go to Mobile, Alabama. Catherine's been hanging on for a while. How are you, lady? Good morning. Good morning. Hello. I have a quick question. You kind of answered part of it with the last caller, but my son is three years old, and he's obsessed with gardening. Um, he helped his old daycare teacher keep up her garden. Uh-huh. And, um, but I'm green to having a green thumb, so I don't know where to begin. So um, just what type of plants or flowers 
can we do and, and, um, and that would be sustainable? And how old is he again? He's three. Three. You know, three years, I can remember a whole lot. So, you know, you have as much fun and let that joy sort of seep into him. Let him know that you're having a good time helping him do something. So, you know, another three, four-year-old, they can't quite get their head wrapped around what they're doing. So anything that has immediate rewards, you know, not we got to plant sunflowers and stick some seeds in the ground. And by the time they make sunflowers, he's a whole different person. He's already forgotten about it. So you need instant gratification. Um, things like um, kids don't eat radishes. Everybody say, plant radishes. They're quick. Kids don't eat radishes. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you'll think about uh, some some of the culinary herbs like mint, you know, okay. you could plant mint outside um, and it smells sweet. It smells like candy. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. edible. You can make stuff out of it. And once you get it started, it'll be it'll be there for good. So any kind of, of uh, a fragrant thing or something that's got flowers on it right now. Um, right. If he was a little bit older, I'd say get you some paper white daffodils because they bloom like in three weeks from when you plant them. But again, three, four years old, they don't have that kind of patience. So I'd, I, what I would do is I would go to a garden center and look at what's in bloom out there. Get you a little pot, maybe some pansies because they mm-hmm. are, are violets because they grow really well. If they've got a few daffodils left over, get those. And then plant the daffodils in the pot, put some pansies on top, and then smiling. You know how you got to do it, kids. You got to act cheerful even when you don't feel like it. Well, that's the things that he's going to remember is the feeling. And anything that's fragrant, anything that's fragrant, they will remember that for the rest of their lives. More than anything else, kids remember fragrances. Okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, hug him while you can. Okay. All right, let's go uh, to um, Poplarville. Beckett, how are you? Good morning morning how y'all doing so far so good all right uh i didn't have so much a question it's it's just something interesting happening in my yard that i thought y'all might find amusing i uh during the last big storm not this past october but the one before it uh took down a red oak in my yard and uh hit my truck almost hit the house but we uh got all of it picked up but all of a sudden i'm noticing that i have little red oak saplings coming up all around my house and dang near everywhere, it just took it and ran with it. Yeah, yeah, and but these are coming up from acres, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about certain plants being invasive, but they never talk about the native plants that are invasive. And uh, and my neighbor's oak tree is my worst weed because it comes up by the jillions from acres that that, that get blown over there. Uh, not much you can do. And then the grass, if you just mow them, you know, they, they if they can't keep replenishing themselves with new growth, you know, just mowing them will, will wipe them out. But in flower beds and shrubs, you need to get you some kind of long uh, screwdriver or pry bar or something. If you stick it down the ground beneath it and then pry it and pull it at the same time, just pop them out of the ground. Until they get about a foot, foot and a half or so tall, they're fairly easy to pull up with a pry bar, any kind of screwdriver or something like that. Yeah, I've just been chopping them down as I find them. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that works. You know, a lot of times if you sprout, if you chop them down, they'll sprout back out, but they'll only do it once before if you chop it down again, they run out, they, they their roots starve. they got to have leaves, uh, so they'll try to sprout back out, but it won't last long. But, uh, you know, there ain't nothing else you can do. You know, pry them up or, or you know, uh, kick them or cut them down or something like that. Mechanical yes, control is what I'm saying. Good luck, Gentlemen. Right. 
thank you. All righty. Now we're going to go from Poplarville down on the one of one of Mississippi South uh, coast all the way up to uh, South Haven, Mississippi, just south of Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. How are you doing? So far, so good. I'm cheerful anyway. Well, I know you're going to want to tell me to go outside with this, but (laughs) I was really trying to do um, microgreens in the house. I don't have a south-facing window. I bought a grow light. Uh And um, maybe I just didn't read the directions enough. They... um, I put them in these flower pots that would sit on the windowsill. Yeah. And they're just not looking good at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a couple of things. You know, it's not just a low light because plants need light to grow. But, you know, uh, not not all of them. There's some tropical plants that grow on the, the, the floor of jungles. You know, the, a lot of our potted plants are, are, are shady jungle plants. But things that, that, that grow quickly, like uh, microgreens and herbs and things, they really need direct sunshine. And the grow lights help a little bit. But here's a problem. It's not just the light. It's all the, the humidity. And if you keep them really wet, they're going to rot. If you let them get too dry, they're going to have problems. But if the heater... It blowing them. I, what what's comfortable for us? The low humidity is terrible on plants. So if you could if if you could put up like a plastic tent over it a little bit, just to sort of make a indoor greenhouse, keep the humidity high, and try not to mm-hmm. overwater them, they have a better chance. Yeah, well they're they're in the laundry room, which doesn't get as much. I think the central heat goes in there, but it's not as much uh, yeah, I'm insulation just, I'm, I'm, or anything. I'm just saying, you know, humidity is important for, for, for a lot of these plants. They they really need it. So a little little bit of a plastic greenhouse type thing can, can help a whole lot. Um, okay. and, and here's another thing. When you're growing microgreens, typically you sow the seeds pretty thick. And uh, mm-hmm. and you can harvest them before they have a chance to die, which is kind of cool. But if you sow them real thick, when you water them, temporarily they're very susceptible to to little root and stem diseases because it's so so so. Tr- when when you water them, just try not try to let them get almost dry between soakings. Don't keep them wet because a lot of times diseases will wipe them out. So yeah, well that's kind of what got me started. I've I've planted them too thick outside. Yeah, and then when they came up, I'm like. That looks like those microgreens yeah. at the uh, farmer's market. So I just scraped some of them up and put them in a pot and brought them in. And that way I can have both. So I can have big kale outside and micro kale inside. Yeah. Now, uh, well, here, here's the other thing. You scraped them up with some dirt on them, right? Yes. Okay. The dirt has got all sorts of fungi and bacteria, which are fine outside, but indoors, boy, those things really multiply. So if you can try it indoors, you know, get you some potting soil and sow the seeds, even though the microgreens, you know, put, you know, put them in your, your, your palm of your hand and pick up a pinch of them and just lightly scatter them. They don't need to be thick, thick, just pretty thick. Okay. But uh, but I think you'll do a whole lot better uh, if if you'll start fresh with some some potting soil and keep the humidity up. And by the way, you can grow lettuces uh, as well as kales and mustards, and they come up real quick. Yeah, I only have so much room in the windows. Yeah, but but if if you got some people, they set up shelves and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, do all that. I just want to have fun. Yeah, I I agree. Well, you know, if you got a grow light, you know, and get you a little piece of plastic, you know, it could be you know something that that comes from the cleaners, you know, and throw Mm -hmm. you know make a little thing and you know put a smiley face on it and hope for the best. Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much, Felder. Good luck on it, Rebecca. Woo, it's been wild this morning, folks. Welcome back. They really miss you, Felder. Yeah, how how how'd you how are your children doing over the over the holidays and all? 
Oh man, they had a uh, had a great holiday. It uh, they're back in school now in the Zoom schools, so you know we we back in the in the saddle. But they had a great holiday. All right, it was really good. Well, a couple of things that happened to me this past year. We're about to take a a, a little short break and play a, a tune, folks. But uh, I became a grandfather for the first time just a month ago. Woo-hoo. Yeah, call me grandpa. They said, "What do you want the little kid to call you?" I said, "Felder, of course." You know, that that works. Anyway, welcome little AJ. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now with, with, with vegetables, cool season vegetables. Um, I'm going to be pruning my figs over the next little while. I'm going to be pruning my roses and rooting pieces of both, little short stems. I've got a flower bed worked up with pansies and violas and kale and parsley. And uh, what I do is I stick rose cuttings and fig cuttings in between those. And by the time it's time to replace those in the springtime, uh, the the winter flowers and plant summer flowers, those little things are already rooted. So this is a good time to be thinking about pruning and also rooting some of the stuff you want to prune. So plenty of things to talk about. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcast. And we'll be right back with a, a calm song. See trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They like much more. I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. Hey, Java. What's up, Did man? Did you do anything new over the holidays or just hang out with the kids? I mean, which is which is important. 
Uh, that's yeah. I don't. You got a smile on your face, like you know something. <laughs> well, I, I I found out that not only am I not that great a gardener, I'm a good garden expert. But when it comes to actually gardening, I'm not that great. I was come to find out, I'm not that good a cook either. <laughs> what did you burn? Well, I burn all sorts of stuff. But do you cook at home? I mean, you got to. I, yeah, I, I I cook. Well, I've been trying new things. I fried my first green tomatoes. And okay, you know, and I, I got the batter right, but I, you know, I, I don't know how to does it wait till the oil's smoking. I don't know. Anyway, it wasn't that great, <laughs> but thank goodness for ketchup. But uh, I made me some egg fried rice the other night, which is kind of healthy. And then uh, I got halfway through it and I found out it's supposed to use soy sauce. I didn't have any, so I put Worcestershire sauce. Not a good Not idea. Not the same thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, but I'm learning, and you know, I'm going to try again, and I, I got me some soy sauce, so, and that's the thing, whether it's home cooking or home gardening. You try new stuff. If it doesn't work, you just try again. That's all it is to it. <laughs> and sometimes if it doesn't work, you just live with it. Worcestershire sauce was not that great in, in, uh, in my fried rice, but I ate it all anyway. I don't, know, you, I don't know where this came from. You cooked it, so you got to eat it. That's right. Hey, let's uh, let's slide down to Hattiesburg and talk with Paul. Paul, I appreciate you hanging on there. What's going on? My pleasure. Happy New Year to you, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm calling it 2020 Weird. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I want a refund already. <laughs> so uh, I, got a, I got two questions for you, a little background. Not only do I not know anything about gardening, but between my wife and I, we can't even count all the stuff we've killed. So we had a long talk before we even wanted to get a pet, you know, or uh, good, <laughs> you, good you know, you got you got you know, to you, you feed them and put water down every now and then. I just wanted to say, um, so we were down on, on the coast, and our, our cousin had uh, some citrus trees that were growing wild, and we couldn't believe how how wonderful and juicy they were. And so I got a uh, a lemon and a, a grapefruit from them, and or a couple of them, in fact. Uh-huh. And we enjoyed them, and I saved the seeds, and thinking in my mind, wouldn't it be great to have that kind of something we could try ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, is it first of all, is it a, an urban myth that if you try to get seeds out of a store-bought apple or some citrus or something, that they will not actually fruit? And the second question is, just in terms, I, I'm probably picking the wrong time of the year, but I got... You know, I, I got two of them or three of them to germinate, and I put them in a small thing of potting soil, and I really appreciate you mentioning the small plastic cover to keep the humidity high. Yeah. But, you know, what are my chances of actually succeeding, what are we, 70 miles north north of the coast with these? With yeah. These, um, well, let, let me ask you this. Have you already, did you get them to sprout in the heart of little plants? Yes. Well, then you've already succeeded. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, and, they said you I couldn't know. do it. No, well, they were wrong, apparently. But now here's the deal. First of all, citrus, I'm one of those kind of experts that I learned a long time ago, no matter what I say, there's some little old lady named Aunt Mamie, and she can call me an idiot because she does the exact opposite and works fine. That's a given. So I'm going to say, in general, citrus don't really grow well more than a, a, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles from the coast. Unless we okay. have a mild winter, you know, there, you know, we used to have a lot of citrus in Mississippi back in 1930s, but they keep getting wiped out by hard freezes, you know, every now and then. Yeah. So in general, even Florida has trouble growing some citrus, but you, so yeah. you can give it a try. And, you know, this is the case where you want to hope for global warming because then you can grow citrus in right. Hattiesburg. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a gamble. And as you put them out in your yard, you're going to need to prepare, prepare to throw something over them 
overnight okay. if there's a freeze. You need to un- right. uncover them the next day. So that means when they get up about knee high or waist high, snip the tips of them out so they bush out and you have citrus right. bushes instead of citrus trees. You could pick easier and cover up. But now okay. that that's the positive stuff. You've succeeded so far, and there's hope down the road. The okay. downside is when you grow something from a seed, a, a fruit from a seed, usually it's been cross-pollinated and it won't come true to seed. You know, heirloom things like tomatoes and peppers, you can do that. But uh, a lot of these citrus are cross-pollinated, and they don't come true to seed. And even if they What's do, it, it, in other words, uh, it's just like if you take a, a yellow squash and a zucchini squash and you cross-pollinate them, the seed, you'll get a, 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 you'll get a, a, a squash, other. yeah. But right. if you save the seeds, it'll be something different because it's got, you know, it's not the same thing. Uh, but so it's going to be a gamble. The other thing okay. is, it typically takes four, five, six, maybe seven years from seed for a, yeah. a citrus to reach fruity maturity. So just have fun. If it does something great, wow, that's great. But if great. it doesn't, okay. have some fun. Hang some Christmas tree ornaments on it. <laughs> I sure will. I sure do appreciate. It. And so, is it true about the store bought fruit? You can't save the seeds from that and try to grow something from it. No, it's not true at all. But it's, it's not true. Okay, but so but it's a hybrid. Good. You know, uh, for example, apples and pears are cross pollinated. So if you save the seed, it ain't gonna be the one that you bought. The same thing with right. peaches. You know, you get a juicy peach, save the seed, grow it, take the time, and makes the fruit. It ain't gonna be the same ones you ate because cross pollination. I understand. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Have Got fun. It. Remember, Mardi Gras beads work. All right. Sure <laughs> See you, Paul. Thank you. All right, let's slide up to Jackson. Hey, Thorne, thank you for holding, guy. What's up? How are you, Keller? So, thank you. You know, your kids and my kids went to Murrah together. They did. Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's been a while. That's been a while. My, my boy just gave me my first grandchild, and he's awful smug about it. Well, I, I, I followed Ira's career pretty closely. You know, I, I worked at MC Law School. Okay. Well, he's... He's 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 a hotshot uh, jag lawyer with the army right now. But anyway, what's going on, man? A week or so ago, you had a show about bowls. Mm-hmm. And what I recall is that you're saying that one one things that bowls do is they burrow and eat the roots of your plants and yep. kill them. Yep. Well, they eat them, and a lot of times that kills them. Yeah. My backyard uh, is full of bowls, and I've lost two. Japanese maples. Um, I took care of them, ordered, mulched, um, but they both died. And I just wondered, um, was it the voles? Uh, could be. You know, now, now these voles or moles, do they leave tunnels or just holes around your plants? Um, holes around the plants. Yeah, the, the, those are, those would be voles. The other things leave holes also, but voles typically burrow up in they little small holes about the size of your thumb, I guess. And they do right. eat roots, and they'll chew the bark off around the base of the plant under mulch. They're pretty destructive. So the way you can tell if those plants are actually dead, pull them up, and you'll be able to see if the roots have been 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 chewed off or not. And, and this happens a lot. But there's other things that can cause Japanese maples to die, including just plain old heavy clay soil and a lot of rainfall. Unless they're planted in a raised bed or on a mound or something, they suffer terribly in our kind of Yazoo clay from from just too much rain in the winter, uh, in the spring, and then summertime and fall, all of a sudden they're overextended, they got more leaves than it can take, and they just poop out. 
for just from clay soil and and heavy rains. So yeah, they're they're, um, they're you know one one after another. They are they were in a raised bed. Yeah, with real, real good soil, and um, so I'm just wondering what got them. I think. You may give me the answer. Maybe the bowls. Yeah, if you pull them up, you know, it'll be pretty obvious. The roots have been, uh, you know, be the, the trunk will be girdled. The roots will be, you know, some of them will be chewed off. But, again, I've lost Japanese maples just from from uh, from our extreme weather. You know, they grow better, believe it or not, in Indiana than they grow in Mississippi. They grow fine here, but uh, a lot more suffer from root problems here in the Deep South. Okay. And a shout-out to Java. Hey, Java, how are you? I'm doing fine, Thorne. How you doing? Good. You remember Taylor? Um, I know a bunch of Taylors. <laughs> I, uh, I think my daughters were at more of the same time you were. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, and what? you have some uh, Taylor and her sisters, Jordan. That's right. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah. Family. Okay, group hug, group <laughs> hug. <laughs> anyway, Thor, appreciate your call, man. Great to talk to you guys. Happy Thanks. New Year. Happy New Year. All righty, little little reunion there. You were in the you were in the the, the APAC program at at uh, at Chest, uh, not Chestnut, no, at Murrah. At Murrah. Yeah, and fun fun fact, if uh, I believe it is the same Taylor, because her sister was Jordan. Um, I was her. Uh, I think it was maybe tenth grade. Um, Homecoming escort. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is a small world, small yes, world. Sir. But anyway, hey, let's go down to Beaumont. I've been downtown Beaumont, and believe it or not, I got lost, Sue. I got I made a wrong turn and ended up in, like, Walthall County or something. <laughs> well, you were a long way from Perry County then. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on today? I have this little African violet sitting on the table, and it looks pitiful. It looks like it's going to die. What can I do to save it? It's, my house gets cold at night, and it's... I've, I've, I've tried to cover it up and protect it, but it looks like it's on the way out, and I hate hate to do that. It, it, I've had it alive for two years sitting uh-huh. here, and it's done fine. But is it in the same pot potting soil you've had all that time? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, African violets—they're they're real popular plants, but they're 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 not real sturdy plants like a rubber tree or a mother-in-law tongue or something like that. And uh, what happens is, after a, a couple of years or so, you really need to to repot them. Put them in some fresh potting soil so they don't stay – because potting soil decomposes. It breaks down, and they've got kind of delicate roots that it might be, you know, after the potting soil is broken down after a year or two, that your normal watering is too much or not enough. It's real easy to overwater these things. Uh, Even if you pour water, you know, on their leaves, it can cause problems. So what I think about doing is is, uh, water it a little bit. Don't don't get it soggy. See if you can perk it up and then gently repot it. You know, you can pull it out, loosen up some of the potting soil, and put it back in the same pot with some potting soil. And while you're at it, snip some leaves off and root some of those in water just in case it doesn't work. Oh, great. Well, should I put some miracle Grow or something like that on it? Well, that, that's a good fertilizer. You know, it's a, it's a complete fertilizer. It's got all the stuff plants need. But if you're going to do that, let's go with half strength. Whatever it calls for a gallon of water does not look like enough, but use that at half that much. Just a little bit of fertilizer. And uh, with African violets, a lot of times it's better to put them in a, a tepid, you know, room temperature. Well, not room temperature if it's cold, but not hot or not cold water. And set the pot down there and let it soak it up like a sponge rather than water from the top. Okay. okay. Okay, well, do they have a lifespan? I mean, is this, this looks like it's 
going to die. But. I've, I've never seen any old African violets. Most no. of you know, you can keep them alive, but most of the time people root more from the from the leaves or they divide them. But um, you know, they're they're not, they're easy to grow for people who have the right conditions. We don't have the right conditions. They could be awfully temperamental. Well, thank you for the advice. I appreciate it. I don't know how much uh, advice we really gave. We're just sort of guessing here. Well, thank you again. Okay, Sue, stay warm. You too. All righty. Now let's go to uh, Philadelphia. Hey, Beatrice. Hi. Hi, Mr. Felder. Hi. Howdy. So far, so good. What's going on in Neshoba County? Uh, cold. Yeah. Wait till tonight. <laughs> um, I had bought some amaryllis. Uh-huh. And I really would like to put them in the ground, and I would like to know when would be a best time to put those in the ground. Did they bloom okay for you in the pots? Well, I just bought them. Okay. Uh, it's a little cold to put them out there. Uh, you know, in Citrus, Mississippi, most of them can survive outside. Some of the really fancy ones will freeze. But there's a lot of amaryllis that go fine as long as they're in, like, uh, protected for the hot afternoon sun and hard, hard freezes. Uh, what I would do is I would put them in pots okay. and, and, uh, and, and grow and actually Leave them outside. Only bring them in if it's going to frost or freeze. And let them grow outside um, so that they're used to it, where they get real sunshine, and then plant them this spring. Okay. Uh, but uh, I would put them in potting soil. If you want to let them bloom inside, that's fine. But but yeah, they need to gradually get used to the sun and the warmth outside. From indoor to outdoors is a real big shock. Um, so anyway, uh, if you could go ahead and, and plant them up. Let them bloom, and as soon as they get through blooming, get them where the leaves get some real sunshine, a little fertilizer. Then you can replant them anytime this spring. Okay. I appreciate it so much. Thank hey, you. Hey, send me a picture. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Beatrice. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. And speaking of pictures, it might snow in parts of Mississippi, as I understand it, this weekend or first part of next week. I don't know. I mean, you know, the weather people say it, it could be. What I'm doing is I'm setting up a little part of my yard so that if it does bloom, I make a nice little picture. You know, Granny's chicken, my Mahonia shrub, my, my paper wise. I'm setting up a little little scene. So if it snows, I got a pretty wintertime shot. That's pretty that's pretty nice of you, Felder. Well, you know, it's it's not like I got anything else to do. <laughs> You know, so let's have fun. Let's get out there and, and uh, set things up in case it snows. Uh, let's let's slide over to Clinton now and talk with Gene. How are you this morning, Gene? Uh, yes, sir. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Thanks for asking. So far, so good. What's up? Uh, everything is fine. Actually, I like to grow the aloe vera, curry plant, and the turmeric. Okay, the... The curry and uh, there's not exactly a curry plant, but uh, the ones that mostly commonly grown as as as, uh, as curry needs warm temperature. Needs warm temperature. I'm not right. sure about the turmeric. I, I, I don't. Um, you know, I, I use it. I cook with it, but I don't. I don't even know what part of plant it comes from. I don't know whether it's a seed. That's it's been a tr- Indian. Is the Indian plant. Is a curry plant. They use the leaf. Is a citrus plant. Is a curry plant. Is a citrus plant. Okay. Um, okay. The, the curry, the turmeric, and what? What was the first one? I forgot. And uh, aloe vera. Aloe vera. I have questions. Uh, yeah. I have plenty of aloe vera plants, and how I can use the aloe vera? 
Yeah, well, aloe vera is, is uh, uh, most commonly used as a, like a burn plant, uh, an ointment type thing. Aloe vera is pretty easy to grow in pots, but you got to bring them in if it's going to freeze because they will, they will just melt if they freeze. So you need to keep them in pots, and when you get too many, you know, just put some more in some other pots. But they'll stay, uh, a pretty good-sized plant will stay in a small pot. The main thing is it's real easy to overwater them, so they need a kind of a smallish pot, and they need to be brought in if it's going to freeze. Uh, I'm not sure about the turmeric. I'm I, I'm gonna look that one up because I need to learn. I, I cook with it myself. You know I love Indian food. Um, matter of fact, I'm I'm gonna make me a nice jow jow frazy this evening. But um and and it calls for turmeric and uh, uh what's the uh, um I can't I can't think of the 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 herb mix that I use is a spice mix I use. So garam mas- uh, garam masala. Which one? Garam masala. Mas- masala, galam, garam, 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 garam masala. Yes, yeah, yes. Garam I, masala. I use that, and it's got turmeric in it. But uh, anyway, I, I don't know how to grow those. We have to to check up, check with me next week, and I'll be an expert on it. Okay, thank you. Okay, Jim, appreciate it. All right, bye bye. Garam masala is the Indian version of chili powder. It's a mixture of different spices, and uh, matter of fact, when I scramble eggs and stuff, I, I sprinkle it on there. It's quite nice. What are you shaking your head for, Java? Um, uh, cause Kevin Felder, uh, Fe- Kevin just came in and reminded me about Thorne. He was actually um the development director here at uh, MPB oh. some some years back, and I was saying only in Mississippi where you can get these kind of call into a, a statewide national, I mean, a statewide program and then have this small town conversation. Yeah, yeah. N- <laughs> do you know, n- do you know my daughters? And yeah. My- <laughs> yeah, how's your mama and them? <laughs> Only in Mississippi. <laughs> I think you're, I think I asked her your daughter at homecoming. <laughs> Only in Mississippi. <laughs> yep. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. A lot of stuff. Gardening, this is the time to start thinking about planting fruit trees, uh, about roses, new kind of shrubs. It's not the best weather this weekend, but this is a good time of year to think about turning some dirt over. Don't dig it that much because it's sticky and wet, but turn it over while it's easy. Add some stuff to it, and then come back a month or so later, mix it up, and you're ready to plant. But get the hard stuff done ahead of time. It's also a great time to start some leafy greens in pots, lettuces and things. Bring them in if it's going to freeze, but leave them out where they get real sunshine or real humidity and a real cool, t- cool temperatures. And uh, there's so many things we can do. Here in the South, we've got... Um, uh, all sorts of, of bulbs blooming, the paper white narcissus that don't need any cold at all. We've got camellias. We've got uh, 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 just unbelievable amount of color and texture here in our winter gardens where our friends up north have got undulating mounds in the snow. So take advantage of it. Walk around, enjoy, see, what, see what's blooming out there, and uh, see if maybe there's some textures or colors or even fragrances you might want in your garden this time next year. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing here at Mississippi Public Broadcast. Casting, Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, all the folks up here. Uh, we're glad to be here this, this new year. We're going to see if we can't be a shining light of hope and information as well as entertainment here in Mississippi. That's what we do here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, you know, it's kind of cold to take a kid anywhere. Farmers markets probably not going right now, but garden centers have got a few little things that do good in pots. Um, so if you got some kids or grandkids or neighborhood kids, take a safari to a garden center. Show them how to do it. Take them outside. Let them pick some flowers, some wildflowers. 
put some weeds, put them in vases, help them learn how to do what we do best and do it with a smile. Show them how to smile while you're getting dirty. We'll be here same time, same place next week, folks. Again, stay safe, stay dry, stay warm, stay sane. 